Person has a ready. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome to another episode of the House of Indie. We are going to have an awesome episode for you guys. We're talking to Russell Nolte. He is the creator on Ichabod Jones. This week, he is talking about his brand new book hitting shelves very soon. It is called Black Market Heroin. That is with an E. So stick around for this amazing conversation that I had with Russell Nolte about his new book. First of all, can you please give us a quick synopsis and background of Black Market Heroin? Sure. So uh, we just launched our book, Black Market Heroin, on Kickstarter. And um, it's about it, it's it's part of the God's verse. So on some levels, it's very similar to stuff we've done before. So if you like Katrina Hates the Dead or Pixie Dust, um, you're going to... Uh, it's in that same sort of uh, 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 action thriller fantasy vein, um, but it is black and white, and it is uh, and uh, it is much more manga uh, 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 inspired, I think, than probably anything else we've done. I really wanted. I mean, I think most of our work is inspired by manga and 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 anime and animation in general. But um, and this one, we wanted to really lean into the noir aesthetics of uh, of the book. It's much more uh, straight urban fantasy than anything we've done before. And uh, and yeah, I mean. It's really if you've enjoyed the gods verse previously, this sort of takes you from the nineteen uh, from the two thousand and twenty apocalypse all the way back to the nineteen eighties, and tells sort of a story of a fa- a, a, a a group that's been trying that has been trying to start the apocalypse for about three thousand years at this point called uh, the Godless. The artwork in this book is especially good looking. Can you tell us a little bit about who you have on this book? And all that good stuff. Well, I tend to find artists that I love with that that I fall in love with, and then really want to work with, and try and find a project with um, uh, to work with uh, on with them. So, uh, Camry Lapka is the artist on this book, and I've known her for years. And I think the first time that I saw her art, I fell in love with it. It was years ago at this point, and uh, I've been looking for something to work with her on for about two and a half years. Um, she ended up being, she's an uh, artist in our, uh, in our third Cthulhu is Hard to Spell anthology as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been working with her. I've been working on trying to find something to fit her in for a long time. And, uh, when I had this idea for black market heroin, it just totally fit the style that I was going for. And, uh, and, and the tone without, so it sort of like pushes a little bit further more cartoony than pixie dust, but still keeps that sort of slightly hard edge. 
um, which uh, which I, I really love. I really love her art and uh, what she was able to do, especially in the later issues of the book. When you first thought of her as the artist on this book, what was your attraction to her specifically? So there's something about I, I, I like dynamic panels. And I like uh, people who can draw cute, but also draw action. And uh, so that was something that I think Nick Torres, uh, who's the artist of Pixie Dust, does really uh, did really well. And when I saw, I forget what she did. She did some sample of a book that she was doing. And I saw it and I was like, oh, like she could totally handle this kind of style. And so in order to be a God's verse artist, you have to be really good at action. You have to be really good at, at emotion. And you have to be, uh, and you have to be, uh, really good at dynamic panels. And I think that Camry, I think it pushed her a little bit further than m- maybe she was comfortable with at the beginning, but she really, 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 uh, fell into a nice groove uh, at the end and was able to deliver some really killer art. Here's a question that I really need to know. What is the God's Verse Chronicles? Sure. So, uh, the God's Verse Chronicles, uh, takes spans, uh, 13,000 years. Uh, it currently is Three, no- three graphic novels now and seven novels. And then there'll be four more uh, to round up the universe in January. But it's a world where basically all gods are real. They're just kind of dicks. And, uh, and in, uh, and in this world, the, the stories follow sort of either superpowered or regular women as they are trying to rail against the fates that the gods have handed them. Can you give me a bit of background when it comes to building out a huge universe such as the God verse Chronicles. Uh, so uh, originally Katrina was going to be a standalone graphic novel and Pixie Dust was going to be a standalone graphic novel. Um, but when we were creating Pixie Dust and before I launched it, people were so interested in the God's verse um, that I started to build out the world. And when I was building out the world, I realized that Pixie Dust can fit into the overall mythos of the God's verse. And so that was the first step. The first step was connecting Pixie Dust and Katrina uh, Hates the Dead. And from there, uh, people asked, like, what this, what the series of events were that led to those two being, uh, being in the same shared universe. And so I said about step two was filling in from Pixie Dust to Katrina. And then after, and then sort of a little bit afterwards. And then, um, step three was saying, okay, now I've got these four novels, uh, and launching them on Kickstarter in 2020. And when that went really well, I, I started to fill in other parts of the universe. So for instance, people wanted a Katrina story that happened, uh, sort of, uh, so how Katrina, how the Katrina novel happens is, uh, there's three stories inside of it. The first one is Katrina hates the dead, then it jumps 10,000 years from the future. And so they wanted something that slotted in while she was uh, earlier than just like from 2020 to 10,000 years in the future. So sort of filling in those gaps and uh, and then filling in the end of the universe. But then I realized this. So I was sort of step three. Step four was realizing that Katrina, as much as I love it, is a horrible entrance to the universe because it starts with a apocalypse and then it jumps 10,000 years into the future. Um, so I needed something really that eased people into the God's verse for new fans and for people that, that think that it's an apocalypse book. Because while Katrina Hates the Dead is, an, is set in the apocalypse, it's really a fantasy book. So we wanted something that really led into that and, and more gently. And which is where 
uh, uh, black market heroin comes in because when I came up with the idea for black market heroin and then I started writing it, I realized it was the perfect entrance to the God's verse because it was uh, it was urban fantasy. Um, it was an apocalypse. It was, uh, it was an apocalypse scare, I guess I I, I, I call it. And uh, and it uh, and then uh, it, it, it sort of set the stage. And so the last step was saying, OK, so so black market heroin is sort of the beginning of the God's verse. Right. Uh, as far as the novels and graphic novels go. Um, how do I get from here to 2020? And so I figured that, like, probably you want something that happens every decade. And so the first book that has Black Market Heroin and the expansion and the novelization is called And Magic Followed Behind Her. That's in the 80s. Uh, the next book happens in the 80s. And then we go to, like, the 90s, 2000s, and then the 2010s. So, like, it just it fills in the, the gap between everything. And so I think that the... The best thing to do is not to do any of that stuff and just not try and backfill your universe. Like, don't try and like realize it's a universe after you've already created a book and like backfill it in. Uh, start with like what I do with uh, Obsidian Spindle Saga, which is I designed the universe from the beginning and then I started from where the universe begins and then I am writing 16 books in that universe and it all makes sense and I don't have to backfill. And I don't have to make it all make sense. So this this has been a really uh, hard struggle because it was a gra single graphic novel that expanded into an entire universe. And at each stage, I had to make sure that we weren't breaking the universe. And also, especially with this new book series, these, these new books, that we were constrained with everything that happened afterwards. Thank you, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Right now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and continue to talk to Russell Nolte. Welcome back to the episode and we're going to continue to talk to Russell Nolte here. But this time, we're going to get deep and talk a little bit more about his scripting process. If you were to give advice to somebody who is brand new and thinking that they want to jump into scripting a comic book, what kind of resources are out there for them? I believe it's Comic Experience has an internet movie, uh, internet script database that has scripts from all sorts of uh, comics and and, uh, and and from across DC, Marvel, and indie. Um, and I would say go read all those, then go read Understanding Comics, and then go read Making Comics, uh, and then. Uh, and then you probably will have some idea of what the scripting process will be like and what a comic looks like. You, you have to understand sort of the end, what the end is going to be before you start scripting it, really. Because the, a comic is a series of vignette moments. And it's your job as the writer to tell the artist where to point the camera and take a picture. Um, now, when you're when you've worked with an artist for a long time, you have to do less of that work. Like with Renzo on Ichabod, I have to do very little. Uh, often, I just am like saying one name, like Ichabod, and or like uh, or or Kathy is in a panel, or Kathy plus Ichabod, and I don't have to do anything else because we've worked together on and off for like eleven years. But with a new artist, you really have to tell them where to point the camera and what is important. Um, this is why when people say things like, can I just send them the script? Can I just write like a movie script or a pro script and send it to an artist? Um, usually those are more involved because they're 
their, 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 their motion or their blocks of text. But what's important is you have basically on every page, somewhere between five and seven panels on average. Really five to six panels is the average for a comic page. Now you can have less than that. You can have more than that. Um, you know, something like We Three has hundreds of panels on a page. Uh, uh, something like, uh, Love and Capes has, uh, has eight panels on every page. Um, and then there are things like, uh, like One, uh, One Soul or the Enemy, uh, is it the Enemy Within? I think it's the Enemy Within. Uh, it's from the same writer who has like 16, 16, uh, panels every page, uh, or more. Um, so you really have to know, uh, sort of what the end product's going to look like. Like, are you going to, uh, do what a normal comic is and have five to six panels a page? Uh, that's what people are used to, um, on average. Uh, now that includes like maybe there'll be a page with eight panels in and maybe there'll be a page with one pan, with just one panel. But on average, you're probably going to have a page that has between five and six panels in it. And every page has to end with, uh, a reason for them to flip to the next page. Every two page spread, uh, which is, you know, when you open up, when you lay a panel flat, you have a left page and a right page. Uh, on the right page, there has to be a reason to turn the page to the next page. And, uh, and you, ha- and, and then at the end of every issue, uh, or chapter, you have to give them a reason to change the next chapter. So, uh, you have to, you have to think about that as you're writing the script. Like, what is the, like, you have five panels and the fifth or sixth panel has to give someone a reason to go to the next page. Otherwise, we're not going to go to the next page. Um, and so that is why when someone says they can just send their artist a, like a, a, a movie script, I think that that completely deflates the importance of the writer. Like the writer's importance is not just to put the words on the page or tell the story. It's to tell the artist, this is where the focus is on every panel, on every page. This is the focus of the issue because, you know, uh, you know, you'll have a five page issue, maybe a, a five panel uh, page, uh, and then a seven panel page. Maybe you'll have a four panel page, but then you'll have a splash page. And like how you drive that to the audience is going to hit that moment harder or less hard. You know, often when there's more panels on a page, it means that the, that the, that the audience is meant to take that faster. Uh, when you have less panels, that each one's meant they're meant to like sort of luxuriate on each panel. So the the, the width, uh, the size, the importance of every panel on a page tells a story. It's not just the words. It's not just the, the action. It's it's literally imagine that you had five five. Uh, that, that this, uh, page was a minute of, 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 of screen time. And you had five frames to tell the, to tell the audience. And you can use, uh, making one panel really big or panels really small. Um, you could, uh, you could do all sorts of things with it, but it's on you. It's incumbent on you to tell the artist where they're going to pull focus and where you're going to, and, and, and not just to pull focus, uh, for, for each panel, but where the page focus should be. Should it be at the top of the page? Are you, are you working to a big reveal at the bottom? Are you working for a big reveal at the other, at the, at the page flip? Like, and, and so you really need to sort of understand all of those moments before you start writing the script, because that is going to determine what the artist can do and, and what the artist focuses on and what kind of artists you even hire. 
because different artists have different uh, specialties or, 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 or styles or just vibes or things that they enjoy more. Uh, you know, an artist may really be great at, at dialogue pa- pages or at like small moments or at big, uh, big action scenes or explosions and, or at aliens or at fantasy or at magic or, uh, at, 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 at cars or like they, they might have a, a, a specialty. And, and if, if you know what you're looking for, it'll help you determine what artist is going to be on the book. I know many different creators have a different process, but at what point does Russell Nolte look and search out a good artist? I'll be honest. I don't start writing a script until I have an artist attached. I, I honestly don't even have an idea really until I have an artist. Like it, I, I am looking for an artist, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or, or, uh, or, or in Facebook groups or on Reddit or wherever, wherever I'm looking for an artist, a digital webbing, uh, um, deviant art, um, art station, wherever the artist has their portfolio, I'm looking for something that wows me specifically. Because I assume if it's going to wow me, it's going to wow someone else. And that's going to inspire me to write something. Now, I probably have a few ideas that I've been kicking around. I had this idea that I've been kicking around for a while right now. Um, and I'm just looking to try and figure out what the art is and what the, what, what the style is going to be. But until you have an artist, God, I don't even think it's worth writing a script, honestly. Like, it's not worth it to me because the art that the artist you hire is, should determine the style of the book that you write. You mentioned earlier that it's good to have about five to six panels on a page. So why is it important to have at least five to six panels on that page? I don't know if it's important. It's just, just how it's done. Generally, I mean, I think that's how it's just a good it's a good th- rule of thumb to show you how many moments you can tell on a page it allows the artist to have enough room to draw it allows the, and allows them to be able to focus on different things um uh, make different pa- uh, make different pages work make different page designs work and give make sure that every page doesn't look the same but as i mentioned like a, a, a book like we three had literally a hundred panels on a page um, and some patents and a lot of books have the literal same panels every page. Uh, my friend Tom Zoller, he does a book called Loving Capes that I was talked about earlier. Every single page, I believe, has eight panels on it. It's two panels across and four panels down. And he does that because he wants it to feel like a sitcom and he wants it to feel like a multi-camera sitcom. And again, that's because of this style with We Three. You know, they wanted to have one. A, a lot of their pages are like one big panel that will show like a fight. And then it will be like dozens of little like close up on an eye and close up on a on a uh, on a uh, on on a foot and close up on like a piece of tech and close up on like an explosion. And like it will bring you in to show. So I just think that five to six panels is what a norm is, is, is generally what is on a comic or a manga page. That does not mean that your comic um, needs to have that. My friend Angela Odling, for instance, loves to have four pa- four panels or less on a page because she likes big, chunky panels. Um, and that will also determine what kind of artist that you hire. Like, does your artist like uh, more panels on a page or less panels on a page? Um, I, I, it just for me, the, the, the average comic will have an average of five and a half panels a page. And so it helps me when I'm writing to say, and I know that if I get, if I, that, that if I do between one and six panels on a page, the artist is going to have, 
a lot of flexibility. The reason I don't like to go up past five, uh, six or seven is there are only so many grids that work on a seven, eight, 10, 20 panel frame. The more panels you have, just the less flexibility the artist has. And I want the artist to have maximum flexibility. Um, there's a lot of pages in Black Market Heroin where, um, where Camry expanded, uh, panel, the panel count or condensed the panel count to make things work. And when on every book I've ever had, ha, it, uh, it's done that way. But, um, I, I want to give the artist as much flexibility as possible. Cause if you tell them eight panels, they're going to try and get eight panels. And if you have eight panels that have a lot of action, it's going to really hamper the ability for the artist to make that page dynamic. If you were to create a list of what it takes to create a comic book from beginning to end, what would that list look like and how extensive would it be? I mean, as extensive as not, I guess I'll do the key points, right? So like you need an artist. Um, you need to have a, to me, you need to have a conversation with that artist before you even start working together. You need to know their work. You need to have seen their work before. You need to understand their, their passions before, and you need to be able to write to those passions. So like, I know my friend Nick loves writing fantasy, uh, and loves humor and loves like, hi- like hyper aggressive action stuff. So I'm like, whenever I have a story for that, I go to Nick. When I know that my friend Angela loves, like, like she's she's so good at making the little moments count. Or my friend Kelsey is another one, and so like I know this is their passion, and so if I go to them, I'm gonna have a story that I know they're gonna be able to sink their teeth into. And so often, the biggest problem that I find with indie comics or any comics is they hire an artist to do the book, but they don't hire an artist who actually cares about that book. Or can do that book well. It happened. I mean, I read like a thousand comics recently and, and like com- again and again and again and again and again that, that, that presented itself. Just artists who were not right for the story they were telling. Um, they may have been great for another art, another story, but just not that story. Um, so that's one. Um, I, again, to me, the inspiration for the book comes from the artist. If I if I don't have the right artist, I don't even have I, I don't even want to write this the thing. And if I somehow find the wrong artist throughout the process, like my my desire to create that book ends. Um, and then once you have the artist and the idea, well, I guess the idea comes first because you have to have the idea to have the artist. Um, and then what I usually say is, okay, so this is my idea. I'm going to go write the script now. Uh, if you like it. Maybe we can work together on it. So they need the script. Um, they need to go back to the artist and he needs to approve the script. They need to approve the script because I don't want to work with anyone who doesn't love the script that I've just written. Like I just don't. I want someone who can sink their teeth into the the, the, the work. Um, and after that, uh, I um, uh, uh, you, ha- you have to be very patient because now comes the time when you're just creating and you're just letting the artist work. And, uh, you know, that could take a year to two years to, to get a, a, an 80 page book, a four issue ish book done. If you're doing more than, if you're doing more than like 80, 100 pages, it might take you three, four years to do. Just depends on, and, and you really, you really have to just breathe and let it happen. Um, you know, if an artist tells you it'll take a year, uh, plan two years. 
Um, if they say it'll take two years to find another artist, probably. Uh, or, uh, or, 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 or if they're a professional that really knows their timetable, then like maybe they, they do know it'll take two years, but usually artists take longer than they say. Um, and so the, the next step is sort of just patience as they're creating and you're project managing the book. Maybe you have an editor you're working with. Um, maybe you have a team you're working with. So maybe you have pencils, one person and anchor and then colors. And like, even if you have an editor, they like, you you really have to like approve everything and look through everything. And then like, and then the book is done and you compile it and you hope that you did a good job and you launch it. Maybe you can, maybe you're doing issue by issue. I tend to do graphic novels um, because it just works better for my release schedule. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the big thing you need is an artist, a script, time, and then an audience. And those are the four main things that I would look for. And, you know, and then it's, uh, and then if you have the product and the audience, then you can keep going back to them again and again and again with different stuff and, and, and grow that audience and hope that they, uh, they all like it. I've been very happy with the beta readers for, uh, for black market heroin. What I normally do is I go to my best readers and I send them the script and I'm like, if you like this, then I'm golden. If you don't, then like I have a problem. That's fantastic. Thanks again, Russell, for hanging out with me right here on the House of Indy. We appreciate you every time you come onto the show. Can you please let everybody know where they can find you, the book, and all that good stuff? We appreciate that. Sure. So, you know, the book, the, 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 the Kickstarter launched August 31st. Uh, it's still going on right now. If you go to uh, russellnolte.com forward slash BM. H, that's for black market heroin. Uh, it'll take you uh, right to the page. Um, if it's before the campaign ends or after the campaign ends, it'll take you to a place where you can uh, download a, a sample of the book and check it out. Um, you can find all the rest of my work at russellnolte.com. Thanks again. I cannot say that enough. I have one last question for you. I need to know, how did you come up with that name? There's got to be a story behind it. I had a flash of it when I was at Silicon Comic Con in uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con in 2019. And it took a year, maybe 18. And it took a year to two years of just like figuring out what the, what the story was going to be. But the name came to me as I was walking into a convention center in 2019, 18, 19, and I found my friend Madeline Holly Rosing, and I and I was like, I just had the best name for a thing. I have no idea what it is, but black market heroin with an e at the end. And uh, she said, she said, uh, you know, it was the, it was morning, so she was like sleepy, and like you know, everyone was, but she was like, that is a good name. And so I was like, good. That's that's that, that's like the first thing that I try and come up with is a title. Thanks again for hanging out with me right here on the House of Indie, a Geek Collective exclusive. Everybody, we appreciate you for listening. If you guys want to head on over to houseofindiepod.com and listen to all of our amazing episodes, you can do that right there. Just press play. You can even subscribe to all your favorite podcatchers there. And always, always head on over to ageofradio.org and check out all the amazing shows right there. And we have some really cool geek stuff. We have some really cool, awesome stuff. Something there. There's something there for everybody. I promise you guys. Again, head on over to ageofradio.org and House of Indie Pod and check us out there. We will see you guys next time.
Alum in the comment box. And follow me on the Twitter.